Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. For all your photo, video, and voiceover needs, check out the fine folks at Blu-ray Productions. They will take good care of you. If you don't believe me, you can see for yourself. Check out their work at blueberryproductions.tv, the Facebook page, Blueberry Productions, also a Vimeo page, a YouTube page, and it's Blueberry, B-L-U-B-E-R-R-Y, Prod on Twitter. Check them out today. Blueberry Productions, great people, great work, great service. Hey there, your yard took a real beating this summer. Luckily, Scott's Turf Builder Winter Guard has your back. Just feed your grass with Scott's again this fall when the air is cool and the soil is warm. It's the perfect time to give your lawn a boost. If you do, WinterGuard will give your yard the nourishment it needs to help weak, thin grass recover and support root growth, giving you a greener, more resilient lawn both now and next spring. Guaranteed. Grab a bag of Scott's Turf Builder Winter Guard today. You'll be back to barbecuing in no time. This is a Scott's Yard. Hey parents, we all try to be extra careful with our children in the car, but then we get an important call or text. Remember, our children are watching. Make every drive a good example. Be in the zone. Turn off your phone. Visit childrenshospital.vanderbilt.org slash BITZ to learn more about our teen driver safety program. Brought to you by Monroe Carroll Jr. Children's Hospital at Vanderbilt, the Ford Motor Company Fund, and the Allstate Foundation. Hello, my name is Travis Williams, President and CEO of Academics and Athletic Consultant, focused on educating and empowering tomorrow's collegiate athletic leaders. My passion is for the education and genuine concern and care for today's student-athlete. It's the centerpiece of my life's work. A college education, both in and out of the classroom, is a truly rewarding benefit. For more information on AAC, you can go to www.academicsandathleticsconsulting.com. Once again, www.academicsandathleticsconsulting.com. Or you can follow me on Facebook at Academics and Athletic Consulting or Twitter at Coach TWheel24 or Instagram Travis L. Williams24. Or you can call me at 404-542-607. Once again, AAC is very proud to partner with J.R. McHenry of the Bossman Radio Show covering sports and entertainment across the country. Please tune in weekly for informative, entertaining, and expert analysis on today's sports and entertainment topics. Thank you. Joined by Stan Van Gundy, former coach of the Pistons, Heat, and Orlando Magic, current NBA TNT analyst and Turner Sports. Coach Van Gundy, how are things with you guys down in Florida, man? 
Well, you know, I mean, other than the fact that uh, we have a surging number of cases of COVID-19, uh, everything's going well. We're keeping ourselves fairly isolated, so all is good here, but uh, it's a little scary in the state. Coach, I know you and I are the same thing, way politically here. Between your governor and my governor here in Georgia and governors in Arizona and Texas, I don't know what virus they're looking at. Because I think I see a very dangerous virus that can kill people. And so I don't know what they're doing. And, and I'm worried about the bubble as well, Coach, with the cases rising in the Orange County and Central Florida, Florida in general. It, I'm worried about the bubble as well. Yeah, I am too because there are workers, you know, that uh, have to come into those hotels um, that live in Central Florida, where we're having a greater number of cases, uh, and they have to come into those hotels and work. Now they're they're keeping them away from the players, supposedly, but still, it's uh, you know not a perfect situation. But you know we're a lot like uh, you guys are uh, in Georgia, and that we're having to rely on our mayors uh, to do the right things and, and search. Certainly, Keisha Lance Bottoms is trying to do the right thing. Uh, we have Jerry Dimmings, uh, Val Dimmings' husband here, is the mayor of Orange County in Florida. Uh, you know, he's requiring face masks be worn. Uh, they're trying to do everything uh, in their localities uh, to take care of uh, people doing the right thing and trying to lessen the uh, rise of this uh, of this virus. But but it's hard when your state leaders. Um, are not doing the right thing. And, Coach, I'm 33 years old, Coach. I have asthma. So I've used my platform every week to tell my listeners, look, to people like me who are vulnerable in, in, in our elderly population, people have cancer because going out to a club will be there. Going to the beach will be there. I haven't heard the beaches and clubs, clubs going anywhere, Coach. So let's just take the, the pain now so we can be healthier down the road. But uh, you even hear in Atlanta, people going out to clubs, having concerts in the indoor facilities. I'm like, Coach, like, if you want to have sports – how about people take this seriously? Then you have sports, kind of like we had to have in Europe and other places where they're starting to get back up, ramp up, and going. But here in the states, oh, it's nothing. Don't take, don't worry about. It. Don't wear a mask, and it'll be okay. It'll go away. You know, <laughs> it's sad, coach. Yeah, the, the mask situation. The folks back here, at Coach Dan Van Gundy, I was asking about masking here because you know, like I said here in Georgia as we know we talk about the show for weeks ago guys about how we need to wear a mask and how we can't be at clubs and bars here in Georgia. Well, they're open. We shouldn't be going to them. people like me who have asthma who are thirty three years old who shouldn't who ever worry about this virus, coach. And I know in Florida and here in Georgia it's been politicized about wearing masks and like I said Keisha's land boss is doing a good job here. So it's Ms. Mary Demons in Orange County, but we can't do so much. We need people to buy in. If we want to have sports, Coach Van Gundy, we want to have to do it safe like they are in Europe. We need to wear a mask, take this virus seriously, and not hurt people like me who are vulnerable, others in the age bracket who are vulnerable as well, Coach. No, that's exactly right. How this became a political uh, issue is beyond me. Listen, uh, to me, if, if you care about the people around you, you care about the people in your community and the people you're going to come in contact with, you wear a mask. I mean, the fact that people are out in public not wearing a mask to me just says that you don't give a darn about anybody um, other than yourself and really not even taking care of yourself. So um, it, it makes no sense. Uh, it, it shows ignorance and disregard for other people. And I just don't understand 
what's so hard about putting on a mask uh, when you go out in public? We got that right, Coach. And on the wakes of George Floyd, which happened on Memorial Day, Coach, um, the nation's been in an uproar about police, police brutality. And I know back in the 16, you was on the side of Colin Kaepernick and the Police Coalition about that it is, it is, it is patriotic to kneel for the anthem. And now, full circle, almost four years, another election cycle, we have, hey, Colin Kaepernick was right. And seeing George Floyd being lynched, on camera for eight minutes, 46 seconds now has gotten people's attention. Now, now the NBA CA is now getting involved with the racial justice committee. Uh, so talk about that coach, the committee you're on with the NBA CA and finally America awakening to what you t- spoke about in 16. And so with Colin Kaepernick as well. And, and Quan Bolden and the press coalition, because coach, I'm 30, 33 years old coach. I was, the first one of my family that's quote unquote had four rights. You know, my mother's 669. My dad's is 79 years old. So I'm the first one born in 87 four rights per se. And I still don't feel four rights coach. Cause I feel like I'm still having to go on my shoulder. I feel like I'm not safe. I'm not, I'm not equal. So I just don't feel great about life a lot. Of days, cause I have to drive differently coach and kind of not go this part of town still in 2020. So talk a little bit about that coach. I know you've been an advocate for us in the black community about these things, coach. Well, I, I would say this, first of all, I, I would think if you are truly patriotic in this country, um, then you want your country to be as good as it can be and that you should constantly speak out about the failings of this country and how we're letting our citizens down. That's what patriotism is to me. The, the people who will accept less than the best out of their country are not being patriotic at all i i just that part i have never understood and and look i you're you were right at the end of what you said in that you still don't have anywhere near full equality i mean look we started the slave trade started 400 years ago and we have not had a time in our history where we've embraced anywhere near equal rights for for blacks for or for any people of color quite honestly um we have never had that we we went from slavery to jim crow um to using the prison system uh to delegitimize black people through mass incarceration the phony war on drugs and, and all of those things and now we're in a time where people still have to worry about public officials, police officers, uh, endangering their lives, killing them, using excessive force. So this is a tragic history we have in this country, one that we have not been willing to face up to. And, and to me, and I think to the coaches association, that one of their focuses is on uh, education is you can't correct the situation that you don't know about that you're not educated on and that you refuse to face up to. And so I think that's the first part is us understanding our racial history in this country, being honest about it, and then starting to identify ways that we can get to full equality. And this idea that there is anything out there in this realm that is too radical Um, You know, I've heard people talk about, you know, defunding the police is too radical. Um, You hear people talk about, you know, reparations as being too radical. Um, 
what was radical was slavery. What was radical, what was Jim Crow? What is radical is how we imprison people. And, and so we need radical solutions. We, we need a lot to overcome the damage that has been done throughout the entire history of our country. And I'm proud of the NBA Coaches Association. I'm proud of the players who are speaking out. I'm proud of anyone who is speaking out on these things and who is willing to put in their time, put their reputation on the line uh, to make things better. And, Coach, you know what's sad for me, Coach, is that I got an email from a listener, and, I, and, and they're an outlier. They told me that I was wrong and I'm a supremacist because I'm talking about these issues and said I'm, I, I, I've made it. I said I have not made anything. The Lord bless me with a job to work for Atlanta Hawks and have a radio show, but I, I'm still black once I got the radio show or leave the Phillips Arena. I'm still a black man. That's to worry about, you know, it could be, it could be me. It could be me being Ahmaud Arbery or Brown Taylor or George Floyd, or who, anybody one can name. And I'm like, you know, Coach, I feel like with the platform I have, one of me listeners here in Atlanta and around the surrounding area, we have to talk about these issues now because now we, it's, we can't run from it anymore. We have to discuss these issues, get people aware of this because you have to teach them just by the facts and realness and not conjecture or conflation. And you, you're straight, you're so am I. I feel that's how we can reach people who have had their ears closed for all these years. Well, yeah, and I think the one thing, look, NBA fans um, in Atlanta can be really proud of is the head of the NBCA Committee on Racial Justice is Lloyd Pierce, the coach of the Hawks. And the time and effort he has put into this, and you know because he's been out at these protests speaking and things, and when the very first meeting of the committee, which I was, lucky to be on since I'm not coaching it was nice of them to bring me in but Lloyd started off the the conversation with you know giving sort of his own viewpoint on things and he said exactly what you had said he was on the zoom call he was wearing you know his Atlanta Hawks t-shirt and he said you know if I go outside without this shirt on I'm not the coach of the Atlanta Hawks I'm not anything other than a black man in Atlanta, in the South, and I'm as endangered as any other black man. And it was, I'm saying that very matter-of-factly, when Lloyd spoke to the coaches, it was with a great deal of passion. And what you say is right. Listen, my own awareness on on these issues um, has been raised because obviously, you know, coaching in the NBA, and even when I was coaching in college, um, you know, the people I work with, players, other coaches, are, are predominantly black men. And when you hear their stories of their own lives growing up and of their families and of their communities, but then either what goes on with them when they're NBA players. I, I have not coached a player, to my knowledge, um, as wealthy as they can be, who hasn't had a time even as an NBA player being pulled over driving because they're in the quote wrong neighborhood. Um, you know, why does a black man have a car that nice? Why is a black man, you know, living in this neighborhood? They all get pulled over. The bottom line is you can't earn your way out of being black and blacks are mistreated here no matter where they get to. And then the other point, 
um, going to what your listener has said to is people on the right will very often look to the people who have been able to rise above all of the discrimination and everything else and make their place in the world, um, you know, inside or outside of sports and make their place in the world as sort of proof that this is a, you know, society that promotes equality. Um, and, and that's obviously a lot of BS. I mean, you shouldn't have to be exceptional to be able to earn a living and to live a decent life in our society. And that's where we have, you know, put black people, uh, Hispanic people, uh, poor people, is that you're somehow going to have to be that one in a million who can rise above it all. That, that's not the situation that our country should be creating for people. If there is such a thing as an American dream, then it should extend to everyone in this country. And I think every American should want that. And I think the people that demand it and protest for it, whether it's in the areas of police accountability or criminal justice reform or better education or income equality or any of that, those are the true patriots because they are wanting what is best for our country. If you're someone who will accept less than that, to me, you're the people being unpatriotic. We had Lloyd Pierce on two weeks ago, Coach, and he was very powerful on the show. Got a lot of great feedback from Lloyd talking about what you talked about with the Coaches Association and his experience as well. And he and I are real close based on me covering the team daily. So he was great. It's kind of what you said there, Coach Van Gundy. It's about Lloyd as a coach for the, the Hawks. Um, first two years of uh, full rebuild here in Atlanta, of course, as you know. Um what does the Hawks need to do going forward for Lloyd and himself, his staff? Because I know you have Trey Young, John Collins, and Herder, but a lot of, and Reddish who could develop in some. But what does Lloyd need to do going forward with the roster we have here in Atlanta to make this playoff team next year? Well, I, I think look, I, you know, they're a very, very young team, and so I could probably say this same thing about most really, really young teams. But you know, they're going to have to improve at the defensive end of the court, which is. You know, one of the reasons that Lloyd Pierce was such a great hire uh, by Travis Schlenk for the Hawks because, you know, Lloyd came in with a great defensive reputation, having built an elite defense uh, in Philadelphia while working under Brett Brown. Um, and that's exactly what this young team is going to need. I, I think that even with all of the injuries this year, uh, we saw the offensive potential of this team. We know that Trey Young is a is a star. We know that John Collins can really play. You know, they added a great pick-and-roll partner with Clint Capella. Um, you know, when those guys get to play together, you know, guys like Kevin Herter can shoot the ball. Um, you know, and, and we saw that potential flash, particularly near the end of the pandemic-shortened uh part of the Hawks season but defensively they've got a long way to go Lloyd's really got his work cut out for him but like I say he's the perfect guy he has that defensive acumen he has the teaching ability and it's just a matter of young players continuing to develop and learn and the players have to take the responsibility of really buying in and putting in the work that it takes uh, to be good at the defensive end of the floor you know JR a lot of people now um, in this league because scoring has gone up so much, 
will try to make the point that, you know, the league's really not about defense now. And to that, I would counter and say, well, take a look right now and look at the teams with the five best records in the NBA. They're the five best defensive teams in the NBA right now. So, yes, scoring's gone up. It's all relative, though. The Lakers, the Clippers, the Bucks, the, you know, the Boston Celtics and the and the Toronto Raptors, those are your five best defensive teams. They've got the five best records. Hawks players need to buy into that. They need to listen to what Lloyd's teaching. They need to put in the work. They need to do it every single night. If they do, this is a team that should be on the rise over the next few years. I'm looking forward to that coach. And the guy you coached who's on, on our roster last year is Vince Carter. I enjoy covering Vince the last two years. He's such a nice man, open man, willing to talk to you about anything from his life back in Florida to any, any topic. It was on, Vince Carter would talk to you about it on off the record. So you coached him in the Magic coach. So how's he the coach as, as a player? And what, what do you see Vince's future as like as a broadcaster or, or we getting the coaching maybe? Because I think he can coach if he wanted to. Vince can do anything he wants to do. It was absolutely uh, an honor to coach him. Um, I'm appreciative of the short time I had with him. Vince is a total team guy, which I think he's shown throughout his career. You know, I mean, you look at the way that he has gone from being one of the brightest stars in the league to accepting a role of coming off the bench to then even accepting a lesser role like this year in it. Atlanta, where his minutes were really limited. Vince has always been about the team, number one. And then he's a really, really intelligent guy, uh, both in terms of basketball and things off the court. But on the court, a very intelligent guy um, and very, very coachable. A guy who who always wanted to get better, um, was always uh, interested in getting feedback. Um, there's no better person uh, in this league to coach than Vince Carter. And I'm interested, like everybody else, um, to see where what he ends up doing uh, after his playing career here because he's capable of doing anything, uh, both in the community and basketball, uh, anything he wants. But Vince and his mom down here in uh, Florida uh, have done a lot for the community. We uh, I just saw his mom again um right before the pandemic started at a political fundraiser uh, at my house. It was great to catch up with her. They've done a, uh, an immense uh, amount of good work here in the community. So I'll be following Vince as he heads into his uh, post-playing career life. And uh, I know he will have an impact uh, one way or another, inside or outside of basketball. I would never miss him, Coach. He's a great guy to talk to. And, Coach, a little bit about you, Coach. What is your fondest memory, Coach Van Gundy, coaching in Atlanta, whether it be at the Omni or Phillips Arena or now Lake Farm Arena? What is your fondest memory coaching here in Atlanta against Atlanta Hawks? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you. First, before I get to my greatest memory in Atlanta, I'm going to tell you the most scared I've ever been in my NBA career was in Atlanta the first time I, I remember sitting on the bench before the game and they let that hawk fly down. Oh yes. And I had no idea it was coming. I was sitting there, I was on the bench there like what the hell is that? And I was scared every other time after that. Also, but that first time when I didn't know what was coming, I was scared out of my mind. I'm not afraid to admit that. So that is 
If you ask me the one main memory of my time in it, coaching in Atlanta, it was that damn hawk. Yes, it, it scares me too, Coach. It scares me too, Coach. Oh, we we're together. We both God. scared, Coach. I'll just get with you, man. Yes. <laughs> so that's my main memory. I mean, you know, and, and then, you know, there were both good and bad memories, both as my time as an assistant in uh, in Miami and, and then uh, also when I was coaching in Orlando, you know, we had a uh, – one. I you know, we had the sweep of Atlanta, um, you know, the one year uh, – which is, I still think, the biggest sweep in NBA history. We we won by, I think, 26 points a game um, and played really well, but then came right back, uh, you know, and and had a tough six-game uh, loss to Atlanta in, in 2011, I guess. And, and so um, a very uh, difficult time uh, where Larry Drew's strategy of uh, – you know, going to a uh, big lineup with uh, with Jason Collins against uh, Dwight paid off for them. So, you know, it's like every other arena probably in uh, in the league. You you have memories of uh, of good things happening, and then you've also got memories of very difficult losses. Atlanta is no different than me, but at least the other twenty nine places don't have that hawk. You get there, right? And coach, I was there for that series in my magic gear. I told off the air, I'm a magic fan in heart. I had all my magic gear in the arena doing that series, coach. And I it made me sick to see Collins on Dwight. How oh no, Larry's going back to Justin Collins. Oh my god, you know. So yes, coach, I had the same feeling you did probably doing that series in 2011. Yeah, no, it was a tough one for us, you know, because. uh you know, Jason Collins was a was a very good defender and one of the very few guys in the league who could, uh, you know, match Dwight's strength and, and stand up to him a little bit. And it helped him keep uh, Al Horford out of foul trouble, um, you know, and, and they got us at home in game one. And then home court advantage stood up after that. We just weren't able to uh, make any inroads. We had a shot at the end of game six to – prolong the series and couldn't get it to go down but um you know i give uh larry a lot of credit for uh for what he did in that series and and their players for for buying into that you know all year uh larry did the same thing against us every other game al horford started at center except when they played the magic um you know he moved him to power forward and started jason collins and, and you won't usually see coaches do that um, you know, they might bring a guy like Jason Collins off the bench a little earlier and play him a few more minutes, but they generally won't change their starting lineup. I think Larry realized how dominant we had been against the Hawks up until that point, and um, so he made a drastic move, and it, and it paid off for them. I think it gave their team a lot of confidence, um, and and it worked very, very well for them. And, you know, I I to this day applaud Larry's coaching move on that. Coach, that was my last series as as a real fan because I got my master's degree that that at, at August of 2011. Then I went to work for the Grizzlies for one year, and I got I came back to Atlanta work for the Hawks from 2012 on. So it was my last series, Coach. I was 24 years old as a fan before I got into the business for real. That series. Yeah, that was a tough one for me. You know, I mean, it was just um, you know I I thought that we had a uh, really good team. Um, you know, and, and we had home court advantage. And, and uh, you know, when, when you have that and you're not able to get through uh, 
the first round, it, it, it's difficult. But um, that was a good Hawks team. And from their side of the equation, um, you know, that was uh, redemption on their part. And so uh, I, I give them I give them all the credit in the world. I got some for you, Coach. One of them is about my man, Coach Freddie Gonzalez, the manager of the full manager of the Braves and the Marlins. I know you and him are real close, and you love baseball, Coach. Let's talk about how you and Freddie have formed a friendship, and, and you love you love a baseball. I know you, a, you love to get a baseball, Coach. I know you love it so much, man. So talk about Coach Freddie Gonzalez and baseball, man, and your love of it, Coach. Look, I've, I've met great people throughout um, my time in sports. I've been very, very privileged Um who have gotten to know a lot of uh, of great people inside and outside of coaching, but you just you cannot meet a a better person uh, than Freddie Gonzalez. And as a manager in baseball, I you know the thing I always admired about Freddie is he, he's the most even keel person that I had ever met. Great intensity to him. Uh, below the surface, but, you know, he was the same every day, whether things were going well or things weren't going well. I mean, I, I, I would think that, you know, his players had to love playing for him because there was a consistency about him every single day, about the way he prepared, about the way he communicated with his team. Um, and And so not only is Freddie a great friend, but somebody that, I've learned a great deal from and that I have immense respect for. We met a long time ago. Our sons were, were kids. They're both grown now. In fact, his son's working for the Detroit Tigers organization, but they were both playing uh, at the same park uh, down in Paline, south of Miami. And Freddie and I would see each other uh, down there at, at kids' games. His son was a little older than mine. And then I was a Marlins fan at the time. And he was working for John Bowles, and and so we got to know each other, saw some games, and then when he went to work for the for the Braves, um, you know, we'd seen from time to time there, and um, and then have just followed his career and, and try to see him at least at some point every summer. We got over and saw the Marlins last year in uh, Tampa Bay for a couple of games, and on the night in between the games, we was able to spend some time with him and sign every year when he was managing the uh, Braves and obviously they had spring training down here in Orlando. Um, any day that I get to see baseball is a good day. And any day I get to see Freddie and baseball in the same day is, is a great day. I miss going to Disney for spring training coach. I missed that trip this year, unfortunately because of the, of the pandemic, but I hope to do it again soon. If we ever get these cases down. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's tough because, you know, even baseball, as they reopen, nobody's going to be in the park. And even more so than any other sport to me, baseball is, uh, at least for me, it's always been an an in-person sport. Not that I don't watch it on TV. I do. Um, But of all the sports to me, the biggest difference between the TV experience and the in-stadium experience, the biggest difference is baseball. I, I just, there, there's not much in way of entertainment that I'd rather do than sit out on a nice day at a, at a baseball game. Um, you know, the slower pace of the game to me is an advantage. You've got time to have conversation with the person you're with. Um, 
enjoy some good food and drink and, and watch a great game. I, I will miss a summer of uh, not being able to go to a baseball game. I, I mean, I'm like any other baseball fan in that I can't think of the last time I've had a summer without going to a baseball game. So, um, you know, it, it'll, it'll be tough for all of us who are fans of the game. That's one coach, you know, they coach for the Pistons, but some of the Pistons is very unique, and it's John Mason, coach. I know he always kept the crowd excited, his introductions. So how was it, coach, to be the coach of the Pistons with that, with that guy hyping your crowd up and pumping the crowd up before, doing, doing timeouts and after the game as well? Yeah, no, fun guy. I mean, you know, and, and someone who put a lot into it. You know, I, I think if you – if you have people like that in your organization, it's what really makes the pro sports experience because what that all comes from, not only is John a, a great performer, but where it, where it comes from is that he absolutely loves the fans. And so he wants to do a great job for them. And, and when you have people like that, they just make the experience uh for the fans, and and he tried to bring that every single night in Detroit. And, and look, there, there's it's been a, a a tough, long stretch for for the Pistons. I mean, you know, one playoff experience, uh, you know, one playoff series uh, last year, 2019, one when I was there in 2015, uh, none the six years before that. Um, it, it, it's been a long time, and, and so it hasn't been easy to be a Pistons fan, um, but guys like that are working hard every night to make the experience as good as it can be, and I, I've got great respect for that. Coach Van Gundy, thank you for your time today. Like I told you off there, I, I covered you when you was the Pistons and the Heat and the Magic with the Hawks. So I, I'll see you, and uh, I'm thankful for your time today, Coach. Hope when you come to Atlanta and work for Turner, hopefully get some, maybe get some dinner sometime. I'll text you off air so you have my my information. But hopefully we'll see you real soon. And, and uh, a friend of mine, yours, Coach Tindall, he speaks so highly of you, Coach. I know when he first lost his gig, and he said how you reached out to him and gave him some confidence and kept keep his head up, and he really appreciates you and your, your, your friendship with, with him actually. Because Donnie's a great friend of mine as well. Yeah, and a good man, and, and now back in the college game. So, um, you know, it's a Polo Junior College. So, uh, you know, I'm sure you will see him have great success, and eventually you'll see him back on a Division One bench. Uh, he's too good at what he does uh, to not get back there. Coach, stay safe. Hope to see you soon, Coach. Thank you for your time today. I really appreciate this interview. It's been right. great. Thank you very much. Yep. All right. Bye-bye. Hip-hop fans, I got a great album for you. Today, we have them from Family Grinding NC, True Speech, and 313 Fresh. We're going to give you two discs, 33 songs of pure, genuine hip-hop. Albums available on iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, illstreetrex.com, and streaming live right now on Rhapsody, Beats Music, Spotify, Xbox Music, Slacker Radio, and SoundCloud. Check them out today, True Speech, and 313 Fresh, Family Grind ENT. Believe in it, get it. 
A gorgeous tan from Suntan City gives you an inner glow that relights the fire when you run into your first crush. Vicky, who is that? An old boyfriend. Lucky you just tanned at Suntan City. Lucky he's single. We're doing lunch tomorrow. Won't be single for long then. During Tour of the City, try all five tans, including spray tan, for just $4.99. Restrictions may apply. Click to buy now. When you're a teen, you finally get to make some of your own decisions. Who are you going to hang out with? What do you want to be? Are you going to glance at that text while driving? Remember, a split second is all it takes for something tragic to happen. Be in the zone. Turn off your phone. Visit childrenshospital.vanderbilt.org slash B-I-T-Z to learn more about our teen driver safety program. Brought to you by Monroe Carroll Jr. Children's Hospital at Vanderbilt, the Ford Motor Company Fund, and the Allstate Foundation. It's maybe the night that my dreams might let me know All the stars are closer, all the stars are closer Tell me what you gonna do to me Confrontation ain't nothing new to me You could bring a bullet, bring a sword, bring a morgue But you can't bring the truth to me Alexa, play Kendrick Lamar and Scissor. Okay With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need Get tens of millions of songs Download the Amazon Music app today yeah, yeah, it's your man, JC, the host with the most, baby, and it goes down each and every Saturday night right here in the city of Memphis. That's right, y'all. It goes down at Clicks Sports Bar Memphis, baby, 3705 Malco Way, Memphis, Tennessee, 38125. Come out and join us, the Three Kings, each and every Saturday night for the liveest karaoke in the city. Everybody gets in free till 10 p.m., only $5 after. Great food. We got drink specials. We got all kind of games, man. We got the pool tables popping. Whatever you want, we got you, man. Come on out. Have a good time with us each and every Saturday night. That's Clicks Sports Bar, Memphis. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.